highest recognized 501c3 charity organization. Staffed entirely by volunteers, Grimley maintains facilities in the historic Long Island Railroad Freight Station at Greenport, New York, and on the site of the former Nassau-Suffolk Lumberyard and Riverhead. The museum's Greenport facility sits on 3.4 acres of land that appear on the New York State and National Registers of Historic Places. Riverhead is the seat of Suffolk County, and the museum's restoration site at Riverhead houses several prototype and model railroad artifacts, including the miniature park train from the Long Island Railroad's exhibit at the 1964 New York World's Fair and a toy train layout dating from 1992 that was originally built in the Lionel Corporation's Visitor Center showroom at Chesterfield, Michigan. Welcome to the official podcast of the Railroad Museum of Long Island. I'm your host, Jonathan Bailslock. Today's guest is Don Fishner, president of the Railroad Museum of Long Island. Basically, what is exactly is the uh, mission of the museum here? The, musician, the mission of the Railroad Museum of Long Island is to preserve, restore, and present the artifacts, the papers, and the history of railroading on Long Island. And that's not just the Long Island Railroad. That could also be the Central Railroad, the South Shore Railroad, the North Side Railroad in Flushing. Uh, but anything to do with railroading, and that includes Brooklyn, Queens, Nassau, Suffolk counties. Uh, that's our mission, is to represent those things and have them available for the educational purposes of the people that live on Long Island and also for having a little fun and enjoyment uh, so people can learn in a happy atmosphere about how the railroads helped to build Long Island. So when was the museum exactly founded? The Railroad Museum of Long Island was founded in 1990. And at that time, the only site that we had was the historic freight station that was built in the 1890s at Greenport. And Greenport was the terminus of the Long Island Railroad main line. And uh, they've got a very beautiful uh, station house for passengers and a very nice historic freight station where people came to get all kinds of materials and things that were brought to them on the train. We were fortunate enough uh, to work with the village of Greenport and the MTA, and we reside in that freight house. And it's about 135 feet long and about 30 feet wide, and it's a great space for us to put our visiting shows. And uh, we've been there since 1990, and in 1996, we were able to get the property here at Riverhead so that we could open our visitor's center and restoration site. People look across the street from Riverhead Visitor Center. They see the M1s, P72s. So when exactly were those acquired? The P72s were here on the property mid-1990s they came in. Um, I don't recall the exact year and date, but as the uh, P72s, and P stands for Pullman Standard Passengers, um, as, as they were retired from the railroad for the newer cars, which are the bi-level C3 cars. Um, many of them were sold off, but a few of them were saved, two for the Railroad Museum of Long Island and two for the Oyster Bay Railroad Museum. 
and two for the uh, MTA's museum in Brooklyn. Um, so it was uh, mid to late 1990s they were brought on the property. The M1s came to us uh, as the M7s were coming on to the Long Island Railroad property and they were retiring all the M1s. And that was early 2000s, maybe 2002, 2003, sometime in that period. A lot of people around the museum are talking about storing 39, so how is that going? Well, that's a 33-year project. The Engine 39 Restoration Committee started that in 1979 and moved the locomotives to Riverhead from the museums at Stony Brook in 1980. And those volunteers worked very hard uh, during the 1980s and did quite a bit of work to the drive wheels and to the frame, uh, to the trucks underneath the tender. Um, never were really able to get enough money to move into the boiler work, the firebox work, and complete the project. Um, around 1992, that organization folded, and the assets were turned over to our museum. And we have struggled, uh, and that's, that's the word. The, the museum has struggled since uh, 1992 to raise funds to do a proper restoration. And we estimate a little over $2 million to restore that locomotive. We were uh, very fortunate in 1996 to receive an $800,000 iced tea federal grant that was used to do some of the work on the locomotive, but it wasn't enough to finish out the project. Now in March of 2013, we came up with a public-private organized partnership, and uh, we're working toward that partnership now in raising $900,000 the Strasburg Railroad Company is coming to the table with a million eighty-six thousand, and when we raise our nine hundred thousand dollars plus transportation fees, they will take the uh, steam locomotive and in three years have it restored to operation. Now, due to many challenges for the museum here on Long Island, we have agreed in our partnership with Strasburg to have them lease and run the locomotive on their property for 48 years. Uh, the focus of this is that we will actually get this 33-year project completed, that the people of New York State will have one of their steam locomotives to go and ride behind, to experience and to be educated by, and uh, we will have been successful in uh, performing the mission of the museum, which is to restore and put together uh, these artifacts. And the um, Lionel Visitor Center, I understand that is from 1992, but and that there were some prior layouts? That's correct. It was built at Lionel's large plant at Chesterfield, Michigan, by employees of Lionel uh, from 1991 and opened in 1992 to the public. It is based on a 1949 Lionel showroom layout that was in New York City from 1949 to 1953. Originally, Lionel used these showroom layouts 
to present and bring out their latest and greatest in the way of locomotives, cars, and accessories. And uh, every year, thousands of people would go to New York and look at the new equipment that Lionel was building and selling with the idea that they would buy it for birthdays and Christmas and holidays. So this was a marketing tool that Lionel used back in the 40s and the 50s. The original layout from 1949 to 1953 was disassembled and put into storage in a big warehouse in New Jersey. And over time, uh, they had problems there. The roof caved in during a snowstorm, and the original layout was destroyed. Many years later, in the 1990s, the employees at Lionel at Chesterfield, Michigan, said, you know, we'd really like to go back to that business of having a layout that we can show to the public and operate the latest trains and the latest accessories on. So Lionel gave those men and women some space, and they built the layout that we have here in Riverhead now. In uh, 2007, 2008 time, Lionel was restructuring, and the plan was to move much of its production out of Michigan, which as of uh, this year, 2013, almost all of the production has been moved away from Michigan, and they're reset down in uh, Columbia, I want to say Columbia, or uh, North Carolina. And they closed down the facilities at Chesterfield, and this layout was going to be thrown away. We were fortunate enough working with the Lionel people that they donated it to the museum, and we brought it all the way from Chesterfield in uh, a 40-foot container. And our volunteers here set it up. And it runs in all the glory of uh, what it was at Chesterfield. And people come from all over the country, all over the world, actually, to visit the layout here at Riverhead. And that's about, what, 40 feet by 12 almost? 40 feet long and 14 feet wide. And approximately how many times the size of the gift shop layout is that? Well, let's see. The gift shop layout, I believe, is about uh, 13 by six and a half or seven. So uh, I guess that would be about six times the size of the one that we have in the gift shop. And the gift shop layout was our first O-Gage layout, and that was donated to us by the Manorville Chamber of Commerce. Uh, it had been donated to them by uh, some folks here on Long Island that didn't want it anymore, and they had hoped to take it around from store to store and put it up for Christmas and use it as a Christmas display with the Chamber of Commerce. And uh, that became a challenge for them. And rather than throw it out, they donated it to us. And again, our volunteers uh, restored it, put it together. And that's our, our small layout, and it was our very first O-Gage layout here at the museum. I've also noticed down in the gift shop a lot of the lighting has been changed from bulb to LED. Yeah, we uh, took advantage this year of a Long Island Power Authority program. Uh, it's a green program. It's a way to save money and to change up from uh, polluting fluorescent lights and incandescent bulbs to much more environmentally friendly green high-efficiency, uh, low-energy fluorescence and LED lights to replace the incandescents. Um, 
We partnered with the Long Island Power Authority. We did both sides of Griffin Avenue. It was a large project for us uh, during the winter of 2012-2013, but we successfully changed every light fixture out in four of our structures uh, to the new uh, energy-efficient, high-output, green-friendly lights, and uh, we're very happy with it. To me, that makes a little bit of sense because actually at home I've had incandescents blow out just by turning the switch on, and then LEDs I've heard rating about hundreds of thousands of hours in usable life. So that's it. It's, it's going to save the museum money over time, uh, both in not having to change out light bulbs, uh, but also in reduced energy costs, and uh, they certainly are. Uh, much more green and friendly to the environment this way. And what exactly progress is being made on the caboose, C-68? Caboose has been painted. Um, we're waiting now. We've got some volunteers that are going to put the Long Island uh, text on the side. Uh, that'll be done over the summer if everything goes according. Um, the interior could use a paint job. And uh, as we're working on number one, maybe as we wind that project down, we'll have our volunteers, our young volunteers, to get in there and paint the interior. I see we have the engine cab for the simulator. How's that coming along? Well, we've made progress on that. We have the uh, piping for the electrical wires in the ground. We have the wooden H-frame for the circuit breaker box mounted. Uh, right now, we need to pierce a hole in the basement concrete foundation to bring the piping inside so that we can run the electric wires from the load panel in the basement of the building out to the H-frame and then on out to the uh, simulator. Uh, again, that's a project we're going to work on this summer to continue moving forward with. The program, uh, Trains, T-R-A-I-N-Z, has been made and created uh, by one of our volunteers from Southold, and it is residing on the computer already, and it's hooked up to a remote control um, board where you can uh, you know, speed up the train, blow the horn, do all those things. We're, we're not going to be using a keyboard. We're, we actually have the, uh, uh, the train stand to go along with it. And it's all been interfaced. It's running in Southold. And uh, it's ready to go once we have our electricity hooked up. That is a good thing. Those train boards, I've seen them. I think the one runs about $200. I think it's called a rail driver. That's the one. Uh, it's made by a company in Michigan, I believe, by the name of Pi, P-I. And that's the one we've got. Okay. And I actually bought a train sim different train simulation game for my computer and I hated it. I couldn't like around with the passenger trains I couldn't stop the train anywhere around the station. I kept derailing and the whole thing was too confusing. And I was running it off the mouse and the keyboard. Well hopefully with this program we won't have any derailments. We're gonna find out because I think uh considering you've had some experience at it we'll we'll have you be the first guy to test drive it. I think you still need a mouse to run the computer. You mouse might. and the keyboard to run the computer. Y you might. I'm not completely familiar with it yet but uh, I'm saying the exact uh, 
train simulation software, like to boot, to be able to boot the computer from off to on, you need a keyboard plugged in. Well, we do have the keyboard, but once it's up and running, you'll be able to uh, right run the run the program with the train with the train with the train controls. Right, you got it. So I see the white paint on the cabin number one. And is that just paint or is that primer? Ah, uh, that's the primer. Yes, our volunteers have primed all the woodwork on uh, steam locomotive number one, which is on the trailer outside. You, you may have noticed that we brought it from uh, inside its shed. We moved it out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that's also another project that uh, we're working on in the hopes of getting that to where we will be able to run it under steam and we'll have a running steam locomotive on Long Island. The uh, locomotive sits on its trailer. We can move it around with a tractor trailer, and we've identified uh, four events every summer that we'd like to take it to and run it for the public, uh, the first being the Long Island Antique Power Association meet and tractor pull in July here at the Railroad Museum for our August Riverhead Railroad Festival. And uh, then in September, we take it back up to Halleckville uh, Farm Museum. Uh, we would have it there for their fall festival. And then finally in October, when they have the Riverhead Country Fair, we'd uh, have it down there. And our goal is to uh, have it ready to go, run these programs uh, every year four times, and teach people about steam locomotives uh, using this as a teaching tool. Now, at this point, the uh, work has been done on the wooden cab. We've had it uh, surveyed by the Strasburg Railroad Company. We've had one inspection by the State Labor Department. We have to repack um, globe and quarter-turn valves on the plumbing of the uh, boiler and the steamer. That's uh, going to be done early part of the summer. Uh, once that's done, we'll be ready for a hot water hydro test under state supervision. And then we'll be able to uh, complete the restoration, put it back together, and we'll be ready for a, an actual fire-up with, uh, you know, burning wood and get the tea kettle on to boil, make steam, and uh, turn the wheels. And this locomotive right outside the window, is that, that's a, um, a tank engine. That's a tank engine. That's the uh, Brooklyn Eastern District Terminal Number 16. That was brought here uh, in 2000 from Brooklyn, and we've been working on that the last few years, doing a cosmetic restoration. We've got some wonderful woodworking that's been done. It's been uh, primed. Uh, the next thing we have to do with that is to lift it high enough that we can roll her wheels under it. And you can see the wheels are out in front on the track, ready to go. And, uh, again, we do everything here with volunteer uh, services and labor. So I'm, I'm waiting now for our volunteer riggers to uh, give me a date that they can come down and we will jack it up and raise it up and put the wheels under it and uh, then she'll be ready to be painted and that project will be done. And 16 runs on, does that run on coal or oil? That was an oil-fired steam locomotive. Uh, it used number six bunker oil. It was preheated and run into a big oil burner like you might have on your furnace at home. And that created the fire and uh, boiled the water, and away she went. The water tank uh, sits over the top of the boiler. 
It does not have a tender like we think of with uh, engine 39 or some of the bigger locomotives. Uh, thus, it's called a tank engine because it carries its water tank riding over the top of the, the boiler. And recently, I haven't heard much about the, the one diesel locomotive that we have. 1556. Actually, we have two diesels. We have 1556 and 399. Yeah, the, the um, RS3. The RS3. Uh, she's going to remain as a cosmetically restored engine for the foreseeable future. Uh, the money that it would take to try to get that to run is a challenge. Uh, the problem with, you know, getting her into running operations, we've got no place to run it. So... For us to make that a priority, um, it would be very hard to justify that because we have these other projects that are going on that need the money and our limited resources uh, to take that money and put it into a locomotive that we can't run uh, is, is not, not good for the museum. So she's going to remain uh, a static display for the foreseeable future. We did paint it over the last few years, and it's had new... Uh, lettering text on the side really looks great um, the volunteers did an outstanding job on taking care of that so that's going to sit there and that's that's going to be here for our enjoyment as a, uh, a static display the engine is maintained um, we do work on the uh, injectors and make sure that the uh, pumps and everything are still moving so when the day comes that we do have the money and we can run it uh, it's going to be in condition that we could run it the other engine is our little dinky, the 399. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a small 25-ton GE. Uh, that's in good condition. If uh, we were to put batteries in it, uh, she'd start right up and we'd be able to take off. Again, uh, not a priority at this time because we have no place to run it, but it has been painted and restored, and it's, it's in good shape. I, I know we have at least two baggage cars and are those being restored uh they're in very good condition uh, they don't really need restoration we just have to keep them painted and they were also painted in the last two years uh, into tuscan red and black they're in very very good condition uh, one we use for our tool car over in the restoration site the other one we use for storage right now i actually read i believe this was in one of the trade magazines that long island railroad was owned by the Pennsylvania? That's correct. Um, from its inception in 1834 until 1900, the Long Island Railroad was its own company and uh, struggled through the ups and downs of the economies over those years. In 1900, a deal was struck with the Pennsylvania Railroad that the Long Island became a subsidiary of it. The, uh, the Pennsylvania Railroad bought a controlling share and essentially became the owners of the Long Island. Now, the reason for that, it's an interesting story. The state legislature of New York had passed a, a ruling, and they said that you cannot build a train station on the island of Manhattan unless you own a railroad in New York State. Now, up to that point, only the New York Central Railroad had a station, Grand Central Terminal, on Manhattan Island. And this was a convenient way to create that monopoly until another large railroad came along and had property in New York 
no one was going to be able to build a large terminal and uh, challenge or run competition against the New York Central. So it was kind of locked up as a monopoly. You rode the New York Central if you were going to go west to Chicago or anywhere to Boston or anything like that. The Pennsylvania Railroad was wise enough to see that the Long Island needed the resources to be able to bring commuters on to Manhattan Island. Up to that time, you took the train and then you had to take a ferry boat to go to work in Manhattan. The Pennsylvania Railroad wanted very badly to build a station on Manhattan Island and compete against the New York Central. So they decided that if they could buy the Long Island, now they would own a railroad in New York State. That created, got over the first challenge. They could now build Pennsylvania Station on Manhattan Island. And they would build tunnels through the East River over into Long Island City. That allowed them to take what is now Sunnyside Yards and use that for their services and shop area. And then the Long Island Railroad could go through the same tunnels and bring commuters into Manhattan. So it was a win-win both for the Long Island Railroad getting into Manhattan with the commuters and for the Pennsylvania to get in bringing people from the west. And uh, from 1900 to 1960, the Long Island Railroad was owned and operated and managed by the Pennsylvania Railroad. So at what point in 1960 did Long Island Railroad go out of Pennsylvania ownership? What had happened was uh, after the war, uh, with the advent of interstate highways and the airplane, people who used to use trains to travel across the country stopped. Uh, they either used their own car or they used an airplane. And railroads started to become financially stressed. Pennsylvania Railroad was no different. Uh, all the railroads were in trouble with money and being able to survive. Now, the story goes that because they didn't have the funds, the Pennsylvania did not keep up with safety improvements and maintenance on the Long Island. And in the mid-1950s, there were two very horrific train accidents on Long Island with a great loss of life. Following those two accidents, the state legislature and uh, the people of New York uh, basically rose up and said that something has to be done to modernize the Long Island. Too many people were putting their lives at risk going in and out of New York. And uh, essentially, the Pennsylvania Railroad sold the Long Island to the state of New York. The state of New York formed the Metropolitan Transportation Authority to operate the railroad. And that was the end of the Pensy history on Long Island in 1960. Now, of course, we see we have Pens not only Pennsylvania Station there, we have other facilities on top of it, namely the Arena and Theater of Madison Square Garden, which did not come till 1968. The uh, Pennsylvania Railroad continued to own the station. the station, even though they'd sold the Long Island Railroad off to the state of New York. Uh, they also continued to use the facilities for services in uh, Sunnyside Yards. Uh, and again, the problem was that the railroads were losing money with passenger service all over the country. So air rights in Manhattan, that's real estate 
as we build skyscrapers and as we go up. It's worth money. And the Pennsylvania Railroad said, well, if we tear down the old Penn Station and we lease or sell the air rights for Madison Square Garden, we'll be able to make money. And that's what they did. They tore down the old Pennsylvania Station, uh, concreted it over so that the tubes and the platforms were still there, and that's what we use today when we go into New York. And they allowed the Madison Square Garden to be built up over the top, and they made money on that. And from what I know, Madison Square Garden itself is only a 10-story building, and then you have the two office towers. Yeah, but that's all worth something in uh, in New York City. Yes. That's that's real estate. As in the current Madison Square Garden, oddly enough, is the fourth building with the name. That's correct. I, I know that there's been uh, a number of locations and a number of real estate properties all over Manhattan that used to. For additional information on the restoration efforts at the Railroad Museum of Long Island, visit us on the web at http dot rmli dot us dial six three one four seven seven zero four three nine for the museum at Greenport or six three one seven two seven seven nine two zero for the restoration site at Riverhead on your telephone right to four four zero fourth street Greenport New York one one nine four four or four one six Griffin Avenue Riverhead New York one one nine zero one or send an email.